Uh, well, this is the Glue Guys. Hey, everybody. On today's show, we're going to talk about um, some reactions to where the fact that we're streaking. And uh, we're going to get a bunch of uh, listener um, email slash voicemails in. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for doing that. That's super came awesome. Out, came out in droves. We had to, sorry for, like, some people didn't, um, there's a little bit of overlap, so apologies in advance to people that didn't get their stuff in. Anyways, we'll talk all about that stuff. We just wanted you to hear our voices first to know that you're tuned into the Glue Guys. Hit the intro, Mike. Whoa. What just happened? All right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Give us a rating on iTunes. Up here we have 99 ratings so far on iTunes. No, that's what someone said to me on the uh, the weekend way I had. I was they're, talking about the pod. They're wrong. I was Whoever talking about is. the Glue Guys. How successful it is. <laughs> I was trying to get us some sponsorships. Yeah. Um, my buddy working. works for Sabra Hummus. Could you be in on a Sabra Hummus sponsorship? I need a piece of bark if it was uh, covered in. There you hummus. go. Is you're, that the, you're already selling it. We don't that's the commercial. There's like a <clears throat> there's like a 50 year old man, and he's like, "But you know, it'd be really good meat." It's like they're trying to get that dad demographic locked in. Well, uh, I don't know how much I can disclose here, but apparently, 30 percent of the country has not ever heard of hummus. Is that right? So I think they're trying to penetrate that not market. Not heard of it. Not have heard of it. Whoa. 30 percent of the market. Hey, that's blue guys. Here's so Mike. Here. Say hello, Brian. I said it. How do you <laughs> get ahead here. Uh, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio. Yeah. The Nets are <sighs> back. Ah. The Nets are back. Uh, I've got too many drops now. I can't find them. The After the uh, debacle to start the season with the Jeremy Lin injury and the 140 points given up, the Nets have gone on a two-game winning streak. The Nets, the Nets are back. Dude, it's a party. It's an absolute party out there. I got to say, I think besides the injury, this is the best way that you could have hoped for to start the season, right? Um, I've seen a lot from D'Angelo in terms of more just being a scorer. He's a passer, a next-level passer. Mm. Um, Alan Crabb has looked pretty fantastic. I've been very happy. I know he had one bad game, but I'm I'm super happy about him. Um, Jared Allen. Jared Allen was a beast. An actual game-changer, perhaps? He looks pretty phenomenal out there. Really? I mean, I know he doesn't really know what he's doing, but... I was at that Hawks game and looked over to our mutual friend, whose name we shall not speak of on this podcast. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, our source. We looked over and there was like... That? Our Can source. I say that? Yeah, our mole. Um, <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> Call him mole from at, now on. At five minutes... Five minutes left in the game and those things were getting a little hairy there, if, if you recall. And uh, we looked at each other and we said... Should Jared Allen get back in this game? Is that is that what's missing right now? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, that didn't happen, and we still won. But that we that that even occurred to us was sort of uh, telling. Well, what was it? That he scented had that, candles that we're starting to get fumigated here. He had that six minute stretch um, where he had four blocks in six minutes. He altered another shot, so I'll give him five blocks. I'll give him an additional block for that. He looks um, like, regardless of how good he will end up being on offense. I think it's pretty much clear already that he's going to be a slight game changer on defense. And he's playing a position that they're super weak at. 
And the reason why they lost that first game, and Kenny Atkinson has already pivoted off of this, is because they didn't play Mozgov. They didn't play Allen at all. They didn't play Mozgov enough. Um, and it's super important that Kenny Atkinson hits on Jared Allen just because I don't think this team's ever going to be bad enough to get a top three pick again. Like, not again in its, his, in its mm-hmm. future, but... It's going to be a while before they have like a super high pick, so they're going to have to hit on a couple of these late around dudes. Yeah. Um, so we have a special show today, Brian. We do, but I, I want to get a couple of gripes out first. Please. Um, first gripe. Dude, so first of all, had a great time at the game, but Barclay Center has a new thing. I think the NBA in general has a new thing where you have to check your backpack at the at the. Are door. you bringing a backpack? To- I'm not bringing a backpack, but what they've done is they've created a line, to separate lines to get online to the game. There's a whole other line. Multi lines, yes. Multi lines. So there's a bag check line. Is that well, what you're not talking only about? That, you have to separate yourself from. The, so there's a line, right? There's like two lines, right? There's or four basically. <clears throat> uh, there's one bag check line, and then there's like lines to get online for the stupid, for the magnetic thing or whatever. And uh, it was like crossing into Tijuana. So there's dogs. There was like, <laughs> like drug dogs and stuff. Um, so I was scared. All you know, for fourteen thousand people that are actually going to be inside. Just kidding. Um, uh yeah but uh anyway so that was an insane it, like 30 minute ordeal getting into the which thing. I, asked, I asked a guy i was like so what's happening here like where do i go and he wanted to punch me in the face for asking that question <laughs> <laughs> one of the barclays guards guy was like just don't talk to me um anyway so we figured it out but it was quite an ordeal second point in-game experience i don't know who's behind this organ it's insanity. It is the I've loudest organ this year. It is the loudest organ on the face of the planet, and they're playing like haunted klezmer music. It's it's like uh, it's like that? being at a dark carnival. Um, you know, klezmer music is like the isn't that like like Yiddish music or something? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yiddish? Are you trying to say Yiddish? Yeah. Um. So you're not a fan of the organ. Not a fan of the security. Here's, here's what you can do. You're you anti-security, can... Brian. Yeah, I'm Brian's... super anti-security. <laughs> super anti-security. Well, that's good. That's a good. That's a good position to take. Well, yeah. Come on. Um, can't let the terrorists win, man. What would you eat? What was the food selection like? So we were a little crusty. We had a big night the night uh, before. So I just had Miller Lite. That's all. That's all I had to, to no settle food. my to settle my <laughs> stomach. <laughs> just the Pepto Bismol and a Miller Lite. You know, you know how I do. Not that we're sponsored by anything, but Miller Lite is the beer of choice for light beers. Is that right? For if if I'm su- sufficiently hungover, I'm I'm. I'm my body yearns for the Miller Lite. That's that's for darn sure. Tweet at us at BK Glue guys. Tell us your light beer choices. Um, should right. we just get right into it? a lot of the things that we want to talk about are going to be covered by these amazing voicemail messages that people have for us. Please. Um, so I'm just going to hop right into it. Um, I'm not going to do the cheer boys for these. Uh, so apologies in advance because right. it's a little bit too much for my little fingers to handle. Um, but first up is cheer boy Big Ken from the group home. Hey yo, Big Ken from Brooklyn. Nets Daily Glue guys, I got a simple one for you. Eric Bledsoe. Yes. Pregnant. Don't pauses. even think about it, Mike. <laughs> I know you're already thinking crazy. I know you're looking at his twenty and six mm-hmm. and wondering. It's tasty. Mm, oh. <laughs> wouldn't that be good next to D'Angelo Russell? No, it would not. It would. Don't play yourself. Don't think about it. Don't even bring it up as a suggestion, Mike. I know you want to do it. Leave it alone. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe is a losing basketball player. Yeah. Right now, they got good 
solid players and you cannot pay for continuity. You just got to keep these young boys together and ride out. Big Ken from the group home. Next Daily Glue guys, keep doing your thing. All right, Big Ken. Big Ken, an instant classic. Big Ken, you're wrong. You're 100% wrong. The Nets should definitely trade for Eric Bledsoe. You're not no, being serious. I'm not being serious. They should not trade. I don't think it. They should not trade for Eric Bledsoe. No. The dude is a loser. I 100% agree with that. Like, <laughs> like, okay, so there was a hilarious thing. The Ringer did like a timeline of bad decisions that the Suns had made. Mm-hmm. And that the same day that they traded Isaiah Thomas, they traded Goran Dragic. Dragic. Um, and they chose Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. You know, we had liked Eric Bledsoe at one point. Obviously, I don't think Sean Marks is like going to throw money resources at a guy who doesn't fit with D'Angelo. I mean, he kind of does, but not really. Uh, yeah, and that whole like disastrous thing in that Eric, do you see what Eric Bledsoe said? Why he sent out that tweet where he says, I don't want to be here anymore? Why don't you tell me? He said he was at a salon. A salon? He says he was at a salon and that... In in Phoenix? In Phoenix. And that... Oh, I don't know if it was in Phoenix, but he was just at a salon and tweeted, I don't want to be here anymore. What do you mean a salon? Like a barbershop or like... Like a barbershop, but a salon. So what what are you doing at a salon, I guess, is the question. Maybe he was with his wife. I don't know if he's married. Maybe... So like a a get your nails done salon? I would think so. Okay. I mean, I'm not judging. Like, you can get a manicure. That's fine. I just want to know. No, yeah. But he was apparently at a salon and said, I don't want to be here anymore. And then that's how that... But I think even even the GM thinks that's BS because they're trying to trade him. They sent him home. They're trying to trade him. Um, I do think it's... uh, I, I have no clue who Ryan McDonough really is. You know, I know he was a former Celtics guy, and now he's in Phoenix, and he's been in Phoenix for a while. I have to have a feeling that he's really in tight with a lot of reporters because he never gets criticized. Mm. The GM for the Suns, the Suns have been a disaster. They've been an absolute disaster since this guy McDonough has taken over. They had one good year under Hornacek. Mm-hmm. Remember that when they had that like little burst? Super surprising. Yeah. And then they've been horrible. Bender's bad. Chris is bad. Bledsoe, they chose the wrong point guard. They traded Isaiah Thomas, who, you know, justifiably he wasn't like, no one knew that he was going to be uh, all NBA, but he had talent. I think we always see. Like I remember seeing him on the Kings, and he was a good player. Um, they traded for Brandon Knight or whatever Knight brother that they traded for. Um, I don't know. Like it's funny how certain GMs, certain coaches get a lot of crap, mm. where other ones, maybe because they're close with the media, they get like nothing. Yeah, they get yeah. they just get a free pass. They're allowed to do whatever the heck they want. That's true. Eric Bledsoe, don't want him. With you, Big Ken. Absolutely. Good. Lock it's it in. It's at Gmail. Um, Send us more. Fire off another one. This is So this is to reprise a conversation from two episodes ago. Wow. Uh, about your Jabari Parker trade. Um, <laughs> yeah, so That may be dead. Let me tell you a little story about the Jabari Parker trade. Um, so first of all, just to... For those of you that didn't hear, Mike got hammerjacked on Twitter and elsewhere. <laughs> By three people. Hammerjacked. Um, oh, my God. Universally slammed. Um, for Absolutely. Wanting to trade Jeremy Lin and Karis LeVert for Jabari Parker and Dylan Tra- Trailblazers often get arrows. So every person that I've talked to about this who is not a Nets fan or not like a vocal mm. Nets fan. Or Tell just, me. What do they say? That's not enough to get Jabari Parker. What? 
that's listen. I'm just saying this is what I, this is my world. You know, these are my Brian's and, very plugged. If you guys don't know, Brian's <laughs> plugged in to the NBA community. <laughs> that's not. He doesn't seem like it. That's not true. <laughs> None of that. Brian has got sauces. Um, He's got sauces. I have sauces. Uh, I have soups. I have soup waiting for you in the fridge. Really? And inspiration. Yeah, so I make fun of Brian because all he eats is soup, and he literally has on his inspiration board four pictures of soup. Yeah. Just some ideas. Uh, Future soups. uh, Just so, because I think people are going to want to know, we have a potato, broccoli, and cheddar, a curried shrimp and noodle soup, a chipotle chicken and white bean soup, and a shortcut Italian wedding soup. Um, I've made two of those uh, in the past. Which ones? See if you can guess. But that, on Twitter, potato, broccoli, and cheddar. <laughs> yeah, of course. Definitely. And the, the Italian wedding. You've had to have made that once in your Damn life. You, you, you know me too well, Mike. Once in my but life. But next, uh, next up is that coconut one. Anyway, so Mike got ham reject on Twitter. And then I... <laughs> Recap. <laughs> and then I and then I, uh, until I sourced, crowdsourced some people um, who, who talk about the NBA. And they're like, Mike's, not only is Mike on to something, but that's not enough. Anyways, so... Bill Huey has one one of the hammerjackers at large. This uh, is his voicemail. So thanks for thanks for uh, hitting us up, Bill. Hi, Mike. I didn't want to be angry at you. I saw your Twitter post uh, about the trade of uh, Karis LeVert and Lynn for for Parker and Delhi. I did not like that. Um, I got upset. <laughs> but um, I think uh, Lynn is. Uh, underrated because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what kind of player he is. He, in my opinion, from watching him over the the years of his career since New York, he's intrinsically a space and pace player, and that's one of the reasons why Linsanity uh, became that way. He was able to push the pace and do things that was indicative of that system. And so when he went to the Rockets and and has gone to other teams that. Uh, have that philosophy he's been compatible at pushing a modern offense in that way and in charlotte they really utilized him heavily uh with kemba and lynn on either the strong or weak side so they can spread the floor left to right and it was highly effective in breaking down defenses so that lynn can drive through either layup or kick out or any number of things that he does He's a he's a he's a space and pace player, and then Karis Levert, um, if I'm saying presuming I'm saying his name correctly, is a a bright, energetic player, and he is got a huge upside. And I love his style of play, and then along with that, um, that team that Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks has, you know, built, it's designed to run people off the court. And we have not seen that yet. That's, a, that's an aspect of the team and the Nets offense that we have yet to see implemented in, the, in the, either the preseason and the coming regular season. And that team is designed to run people off court. And, and bodies like Karis LeVert, R- Rondé Hollis Jefferson, they're designed okay. to punish people's legs by running them off the court. Transition, transition, transition. Uh, defensive plays, uh, uh, you know, stealing balls to feed the transition game. And that's all I had to say about the topic. And, uh, and th- thanks for the invite for the, for the podcast. You got it, Bill. So um, lots to unpack there. Um, I think this is, you know, I, I struggled with wh- whether or not this was too old news to really, you know, put on the pod today. But I figured it was, 
you know, it will be interesting to talk about. Specifically more for the, I think what's interesting is the Karis LeVert, Jabari Parker fit element of the of the conversation. Sure. And I agree that uh, Karis LeVert's, so first of all, if uh, do you think Karis LeVert has played well thus far? Let me just ask you that. Um, so I looked at his shot chart recently, and he the only shot he's made only one shot outside of if you're familiar with the NBA.com mm-hmm. shot chart bubble. There's that immediate circle around the hoop, yeah. and there's sort of like a little rim around that. He's only made one shot outside that little rim. What I would say would be eight feet away from the hoop. Yeah, he's only made one of those. So, so uh, okay, so a, he's a weird player. I know we're going about this. I would say he's. I would just blanketly say like. Cursory, he's not played well to start the season. Yes, I think he uh, he's getting getting better numbers here and there by comparison to next season by virtue of having a lot more touches and the system benefiting his style of play relatively more, uh, relatively better. But he has a lot of bad habits. He's got a ton of bad habits. Well, and tell me, what, and for every like big, nice, like difficult layup highlight that he has, there's a litany of like sort of bad decision making but that like kind of leads up to that he's he's really he geeks out after he beats his the first defender he can beat the 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 first defender like relatively consistently yes um but what to do after that he is he is deeply uncertain of what of what's next um and generally he seems a little bit of a little bit out of control past the first defender a second defender is going to eat him up most of the times and then like one out of every five times he'll make some kind of contorting layup thing that you know is like oh that's where all the upside in this player like stems from that's where I, that's why everyone's excited about him um and i get that and i and i agree that there's like yeah there's lots of potential and stuff there but people have to like i, I we need to seize on carousel as a person that needs like help now <laughs> he needs yes. he needs he needs help um with his decision making like t- today and it's sort of like if if not that D'Angelo is the greatest player in the NBA, but D'Angelo's skill is that he actually understands how to play basketball. Oh like, my god, he's so he's so poised. His like bot his his composure is insane. Yeah, he's 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 got the old kind of slow man game, but he's not completely slow. He does have some quickness in it. He makes second level passes. First level passes are basic passes that anyone would make if they're in a certain offense, a pick and roll offense where you're. You know, you're coming off a pick, you're coming down, and you're either going to lob it to the big man or pass it out to the guy who's opening the three-point corner. Mm-hmm. What D'Angelo does is D'Angelo has sort of the – he can see over the entire defense and find the guy. Like, there was that shot – who was it? Alan Crabb took that shot against Bellinelli in the Hawks game. I think it was mm-hmm. the Hawks game. Where D'Angelo threw him a pass that was that skipped a bunch of defenders, got to Crabb in the corner, and Crabb stepped back and then hit the three and whatever. Levert's issue is that he doesn't he's not a natural. He's not a complete natural on the basketball court. Like you're saying like he has the talent and he's he's bigger this year, he's tall, he's athletic. His shot doesn't look broken. Doesn't look like Markel Fultz. Have you seen Markel Fultz's shot? I see his free throw. What's going? On? He like cocks his head to the side. Somebody, whoever is responsible for messing this this boy's free throw up is sweet young boy. You need to you need to get canned. Well, and, and it's like the fact that the Sixers are talking about getting Eric Bledsoe now. So they just drafted the number one overall point guard. You're just a baby boy. You don't know any better. better. <laughs> and now that now that they want Eric Bledsoe too. And they have Jared Bayless. You know, it's just like a weird... Like, if you already have this first-round pick and you already feel like you need a guy to take his spot in the rotation, that's a bad sign. But um, 
Karis has a collection of skills that you're like, wow, this is awesome. But when it's all together on the floor, he hasn't played horrible. If he shot better, then we I don't think we'd even be talking about this. Right. We would love him. Yeah. If, right? if those shots were falling, and they they cannot fall. They, they can't be this bad. I mean, they can't. can't. Yeah. Well, like, he should be a better shooter than Rondé Hollis Jefferson, but Rondé's been a better shooter this year. Well, he's, picking though, his, he's picking his spots better. I I feel like I don't really Rondé know. Rondé or? Rondé, yeah. yeah. He's got his, like, weird baseline jumper game. Like, he's locked it in in his mind, and it seems to be paying off. Karis LeVert, I don't know where he makes shots from outside of, you know, two feet. And the, again, if just look at his shot chart. Go on NBA.com, find his shot chart. It's stunning. It's a small sample size. Everyone knows it. Blah, 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 blah. Just look at it right now. I hope, obviously, it'll get better as the season goes along. I am a Levert fan. I just think that this is another thing that we always have to do. We like any criticism of these players. Yeah, yeah. It, like we love we I I love Kyrie Lover. Like I I want the best for him. It's just small criticism. At media day, we had a little moment. Yeah, my really? my backpack was in his way, and he oh. and he accidentally kind of put his foot near it, and he said, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> didn't even touch it. Didn't even touch it. He was a sweetheart. He didn't have to do that. I'm I'm a media scab. So you would say you're friends now. You would say you... We're pretty close. Yeah. We're pretty close. I may have another wedding just so you could be in it. <laughs> um, I just think that, like, we as Nets followers, Nets fans, the, the guys that get drafted on our team, we're naturally protective of, and we we inflate their value. Mm-hmm. Karis is in that zone for people right now. People love Karis LeVert. I just, like, I want more out of him. Like, yeah. Give me more. Give me give me some scoring, man. Get out there. So guess, do some stuff. All of this is to say that anyone who's come to a conclusion necessarily about the selling high, selling low paradox of Karis LeVert, I think you can't say with any certainty at this point which one of those is the thing. And it's, and it's a gamble. It's It would be a gamble. The Jabari Parker, is, is Karis LeVert ever going to score 20 points uh, in, a, in a season? No. Probably not. No. He may be a guy who's like a 14-5-5. Five, and five. Yeah. He's not a 20-point scorer, and it's like, what do you want on this team? Right. You you would probably actually want another really good score before you want a sort of hole filler, right. which is what Levert is. But that being said, <clears throat> I don't know that, like, uh, you know, things are going well right now. We're playing, we're beating up bad teams, and so the, you know, our offensive rating is, like, off the chart, and we're scoring oh my God, the most yeah. points of anyone in the league did, right now. Which did, is, I think, didn't the Nets set the record for most points in the first three games of the season or something? And only, I think only... Uh, of those three games where we've had like over 125 points or whatever it is, uh, there's only been like in the last two games, especially I think only Alan Crabb has had over 20 points in in one game. Like it's I been think that's such right. such a consistent well, well, scoring. No, D'Angelo's had on game one, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but the but the second two games, I, D'Angelo didn't crack 20. I don't think. No, maybe he did. No, no, I don't no. think he did. Um, but you know, Mozgov didn't crack. But 20. like everyone has, everyone's scoring like 19 to 17 points. Like for the first, like the the top Trevor eight Booker by rotation the way. players. Yeah, you know, I, a Trevor Booker conversation? I had, to, I had to take a look at him on fantasy. I was like, am I about to get Trevor Booker? Yeah, he's been pretty – his shot shot's super interesting too because it – you know, I think the – my thought going into the season was if Trevor Booker's going to score more, that means he's hitting threes. He's just doing like a weird thing in his game. He's not doing that. He's just yeah. all around the basket. He's just hunting for the ball and being around the basket. Talking to our, our mutual friend Chris Axman of Almighty Baller, um, and he was saying his comparison for Trevor Booker would be James Johnson on Miami, which yes. I think is a really good one. That's a good one. Yeah. And, and like, so I, I do. I did want to say this. I don't think this. So Miami like had this renaissance last season because all their players were all in the best shape of their lives. So all looked fantastic, and I don't know if the Nets are necessarily 
um, have the same exact workout plan, but every single one of the Nets looks fit. Right. Like, Booker looks great. Yeah. Damari Carroll looks great. D'Angelo looks great. To, to, to Bill Huey's point, I think there is something there that, like, you know, the endurance element to the game is probably factored in. You know, they've got these these runners, these guys that are running. Like, Alan Crabb is playing, like, like his game appears to be the Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller, like, archetype. Well, and he said to us, you, you and I, when we were there at Media Day, no big deal. Um, he said he was going to be like Kyle Korver this year. And he, he is. I yeah. mean, he really is. I love Alan Crabb. I think, you know, the more I think about that trade, the more and more I'm going to love it. Yeah. I understand the contract price, and I sort of poo-pooed the Andrew Nicholson, that yeah. the fact that that was... You know what? Actually, that matters. They got rid of a guy who wasn't going to... He w- would not have played for them this year. While he had looked good in that hot yoga photo with D'Angelo Russell, I don't think he would have played for this team. Yeah. Um, what, what I also like about Alan Crabb, too, is that he made big shots yes. when it mattered, which is something that, like... You know, I guess the like role player comparisons like Kerry Kittles or something, who never ever made a big shot when it mattered. Like always would yes. like have his two threes a game, but like it would be in the first quarter and something. It wasn't the big shot. There's a big difference between obviously it's early, but Alan Crabb, who is a guy who seems like he can always hit a shot, no matter what. He seems like he's always going to be positioned to hit a shot, as opposed to an Anthony Morrow type. Anthony Morrow is a classic, only right. can shoot threes. That's all he's going to do. But yet, he's not a guy you're going to rely on at the end of the games. Crab had been, has mm-hmm. been so far. Um, yeah. It's um, exciting, man. I'm telling you. I, this team, I know they've played crap. And I think you and I need to be ready for an emergency pod after the Cavs game. I think so, too. Uh, because Are we going to pet pod uh, after tonight's game, too? Just going to drop? Not after tonight. Let's. We let's, should just always this. be potting. ABP. Always be potting. Let's just always be potting. Let's, let's be ready because if they beat the Cavs, we may need to start doing daily pods. So we probably we skipped over the Jeremy Lin element of Bill Huey's thing, and I think that was probably out of necessity because it's it's still too soon maybe to talk about Jeremy Lin as as a trade piece in that in that yeah. scenario. Um, well, he, so but ag- agreed on all points of like Jeremy Lin's sort of role on teams. Like it's not um, like none of those things I think are, are like contentious points. Everyone agrees Jeremy Lin's good. It's a it's a matter of you know needs. It's a matter of potential. It's a matter. It's all these other things. But again, let's not touch it too soon. We're going to come back as Bill Huey hit us up with another voicemail, and maybe we'll save that for next week. Um, is there any voicemails about Karis versus Crab? Who should be starting? Um, we should have that conversation. Here's one that's sort of similar. Let's see. Hey, this is Hank Schley in Jersey. Hey. Longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> just wanted to ask you guys about Alan Crabb and how he's been fitting in on the team this year and why he could be a better fit here or presumably than he was in Portland. And like the thing I've noticed is just he doesn't seem great at getting to the ball. So he can sort of disappear in games if the team stops looking for him. And I could see how that could have been an issue in Portland with Lillam and McCollum being so ball dominant that they're not like looking for him that hard. And I think the flip side of that is him being willing to come off the bench and not demanding to start. I've kind of been thrilled every time he's gotten the ball. So I'm hopeful that they can continue to work him in because it's been fun. Well, Hank Schley, first of all, can you give me some pointers on your recording equipment? This, your production value is off the charts, brother. Uh, thanks for hitting us up. Um, NPR quality voice, too. Absolutely. Our listeners have great voices. It's a Nets, it's a Nets thing. It's kind of a common commonality yeah. amongst all of us. Yeah. Um, do you want to you take that one? Um, I do think it's interesting. I hadn't thought about the fact that he doesn't get the ball. He doesn't demand the ball, right? He doesn't 
draw the ball towards him as much. The D'Angelo hunts for crab, and I think the Definitely. guys, as the season goes along, like these next few weeks, we're going to see their teammates are going to hunt for crab constantly. He took what, like seven threes in this past game, something like that. Like mm-hmm. that's the number he should be at every game. Eyes are on crab, and there was a specifically. I don't think crab actually made this shot, but he. Um, it was like a two man game between him and D'Angelo, just like a high pick. And D'Angelo was holding the ball above his head, and Dennis Schroeder was like not couldn't get to it basically because he's because uh, D'Angelo is taller and, and couldn't he couldn't get it. He was playing Tiny little boy playing yeah he was just a baby boy and um, but basically they were just going back and forth. He was just trying to pick over. It was like a very Reggie Miller esque play. It's like what Reggie Miller used to do with like Rick Smiths basically, um, <laughs> and and uh, which was like really interesting to see just like how uh, hard they were working to get Alan Crabb to just launch, you know, um, which, you know, it just um, suggests to me that the primacy of Alan Crabb and the offense is just going to be more and more. I think they're really, so to, to your point or to your question before this, whether Karis Levert or Crabb will start, I mean, I think I feel more comfortable with Crabb starting. It feels like it makes more basketball geometry sense to, to my eye. Um, and Combine that with the fact that I guess statistically one of the the best like duos in basketball right now is Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah, somebody I think it was John. Sh- I'd have to look it up, but somebody's tweeted out like the best, uh, like the highest <laughs> plus know. plus minus. Oh, my <laughs> eye test. I mean, I like obviously Spencer's in front of the pod, yeah. and Karis almost kicked my backpack. But <laughs> Karis no legs Levert. As someone reminded me on Twitter, dude, dude, I don't think people get like that. You're, you're that was a joke. I, I, I think that person thinks <laughs> you really hate him. And like, I hate no legs. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> um, loser Levert is what I call him. Come Anyways. on, he's gonna be in your wedding, your second wedding. Sorry, um, your your vow renewment. Is that what they call that? What is that? Renewal? Maybe my second wedding. We don't yeah. know how this is gonna go at this point. You know. Anyways, um, I, like Crab, I honestly think should be getting the second most minutes on this team. I know he has an ankle issue, so that's kind of... They've even talked about that they're dialing him... They've kept him back down in minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Kenny wants to give him more minutes, but it's just a well, process. He, of, he asked to come off the bench, or he at least suggested that it would be okay with him before the Hawks game. Which is an interesting thing. So, like, I could be good cop, bad cop on that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Do I... I'm happy that this team seems to be a team full of, like, just, like, happy dudes. Like, did you see Isaiah Whitehead's tweet about how he got sent down to the Long Island Nets? Mm-hmm. And he said... He said something like, uh, can't wait to improve down there. Mm-hmm. And then it got recalled immediately. Yeah. Which is like, do they not even I tell him? I get it. I did. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> he, he did what he had to do. Like, I grew. But like Whitehead to me. It was should... just a test to see how he would react on Twitter. They're like, okay, you pass a test. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that Marx is so smart. That'd be such a Marx thing to do. But it seems like like if I was Whitehead, I would be annoyed. Like I, I started for a bunch of games for you guys. I played a lot for you guys last year. I was pretty crucial to the team not being like the worst team in the history of basketball. And now I don't play, but he seems like a good dude and he's at the end of the bench and he's a good dude. And I think that goes along. Like you could see the guys happy for Jared Allen. Jared Allen is just like, just this young kid who obviously doesn't really know what he's doing. Kind Mm -hmm. of like a baby deer out there a little bit. he's, He's swimming in that Jersey still. But like the Allen crab thing of being like, I'm fine with coming off the bench I don't know, man. I want a little bit because he's a crucial player. He's going to be one of the big players on this team for the next few years. I kind of want maybe a little bit more grab the bull by the horns out of Alan Crabb. Not real criticism. I'm just saying. Sure. And maybe he's just kind of feeling his way through the team. I just want a little bit more aggression out of him. 
this goes goes back to him not wanting to shoot the ball or not get the ball that much. And he's talked about it that the team has given him a green light and that he feels like he he feels like he needs to start doing that more. He needs to start taking shots. Dude, just take twenty shots a game, half of them from threes. Take ten threes a game. <laughs> I would I would absolutely love that. Ten, yeah. Take twenty just, threes just air, a game. Just go full Eric Gordon on just this thing. Yeah. Twenty threes a game. What does it matter? All right. <laughs> that's that's just that's insanity talk. Now just it, be the ultimate experiment in three you, point you, long. The ball. way you talk about Alan Crabb is the way my dad talks about D'Angelo Russell. That's a, oh yeah, excellent. Um, next up, True Boy. What's Robert. up, Mike and Brian? You guys are the best. I binge on all kinds of podcasts, and the Glue Guys is by far my favorite. I'm psyched that you're putting out two episodes a week this season. Uh, shout out to Jamie Lynn. Must be emotionally devastating for him. I hope his knee heals as fast as possible and as well as possible and that this is not a recurring injury. And the email from Lou Estevez that compared the Nets staff and players with political figures was incredible. It was so good. I loved it. All right, so it's awesome that Mad Kid Palm City is making Nets t-shirts. My question is, what would you guys put on a shirt if you were making t-shirts? I was trying to think about it, and my idea is not very like creative or witty, but I was thinking of this. The shirt would have Nets players' tattoos, so you're wearing their tattoo instead of their jersey. Uh, and then somewhere there'd be the Glue Guys logo on it, the circular <laughs> one from your podcast. Anyway, so, for instance, D'Angelo Russell has that checkerboard on the inside of his bicep with the crazy mouth on top of it. You could have that printed on the shirt right there on the inside of your bicep. Or you could do the Jason mask with the teeth that he has on the outside of his arm, on the outside of his arm, or anything. Anybody, any player, whatever. And Brian, I think you teased this a few episodes ago, but prepare yourself. Shout out to my talented assistant, Big Reebs. What? A thunderous acknowledgement to my girlfriend, Unforeseen Eileen, for putting up with my Nets obsession. Yeah, and nice. thanks for all your work. Love you guys. Later. All right. Love you, too. Love you back, Robbie. Um, we got, <laughs> got his own little we got drop in there. Hit us with the bomb. Already the production value on these calls yeah. is better than ours on both ends. Um, um, I don't really, I don't think I'm that I, familiar with dude, the tattoos on this squad, actually. I do think, though, like, there's that's Rob, is Robbie, who mm-hmm. did that, Robbie Rose? He does have something there of like I could see like pe- famous tattooed people yeah. just shirts that of, well, there are was, of their body. You know that J.R. Smith had a t-shirt that was like his chest tattoos just like a Okay. Yeah. Like I could see like little Wayne. Yeah. Like a little Wayne body. I, like that's got to be a thing. It has to. And if it's not um yeah. Mad Kid Palm City. Yeah. Hit us up in the DM. Hit us up and we're going to sell those and um, make millions. By the way, I should say I I misspoke that Matt um uh, with Mad Kid Palm City. First of all, sending us those shirts, which is awesome. And thanks again, brother. And everyone else should get them. They're not satanic goats. He wanted me to say they're not satanic goats. He doesn't like the idea. But they are. That wait, wait, but Mike, they are. Mike, we promise. This is how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Satan works. No, just kidding. Um, they're just goats, goats like greatest like of all time. time. Yeah. But they look like satanic goats. Anyone who wants to make more satanic nets gear, though, Hit us up. I, we have that corner. That's our corner. I used to listen to a fair amount of of metal in my in my youth. So tell this, people, well, this isn't metal, but what's your karaoke song? Oh, I did. Uh, so it was my birthday last weekend, Woo! and my, my friends um, signed me up for, for a karaoke Just thing. Kidding. And I did as I always do. Limp Biscuits break stuff. Right. Um, 
to mixed reactions. Um, the But the <laughs> tattoo idea, here's what I like about D'Angelo Russell's Jason tattoo. I talked about this with a friend. Um, it's that it's right behind, it's like, it's like behind Bob Marley. Like he's got Bob Marley and then Jason like up, like behind him like he's going to kill Bob Marley or something, which I think is really um What do you think about his now? I like the now. I like the it's a very like basketball rise and grind um yes kind of tattoo. Um I'm a little weary cuz I'm a Redskins fan and like uh Robert Griffin the 3rd did a lot of that stuff. He mm-hmm. created these slogans and would do that. Yeah. I'm a little weary of guys who are just constantly thinking of branding elements. You think that that's what that is? Like a, just a brand? Yeah. It's getting... a little bit of a brand. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I love D'Angelo, trust me. Like he's Sure. He's he's exceeded expectations on this team. Yeah. Exceeded so far. I'd have to pay a lot more attention to the tattoos. I did notice that Sean Kilpatrick is crushing the leg tattoo game. Well, he's it got looks like his he's, whole he's shins a dad tattooed too. Did you see that? It no. seems like well, it seems it seems like he just had a child. Well, someone congrats. did. There's a lot of marketing, marketing, marketing ideas. Oh my god, that reminds me. I need to God for Chan. <laughs> By uh, the way, I just want to. Brian <laughs> literally flung his arm and hit his head. This is how I am like that a, is. I'm yeah. so I have too many things. Godfrey. Boy, dude, I need to send you an email. I totally forgot. Um, I was talking about t-shirts with this dude. Ah, so much right. going on. So much going on. Anyways, um, let's hit. Uh, we got to. How oh, many more we got? We got to tie this up. Okay. Zach Murphy's up next. Hey, guys. Love your podcast. I'm from Sydney, Australia, and a diehard Nets fan. Just wanting to know your takes on Sean Kilpatrick being the 12th man in the 11-man rotation. I love him as an instant offense Although we have D'Angelo and the new surplus of guards, so it's understandable why he didn't make the cut. But I've heard a lot of Nets fans say that they prefer Kilpatrick over Joe Harris. Um, Wanting to know your thoughts, and if Kilpatrick doesn't make the cut, will he be on the trading block? And what kind of offers do you think we could get back for him? Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Zach Murphy. That was a heck of a question. Um... You seem like you have an opinion. You're ready to well, leap yeah, out of your I, mouth. It's interesting that the Nets roster, if you kind of look at like the starters versus the bench players, there's versions of the starters on the bench. So we talked about previously, right after the Jeremy Lin injury, that guys who would see their minutes bump up are obviously Alan Crabb, Kerselvert, and Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because if Alan Crabb's going to play more minutes, you're going to want Joe Harris because they play a similar game, even though Joe Harris is not that good. Yeah, Kilpatrick, you know, it's interesting because like – he was pretty good for this team. And like, I remember at one point we had a conversation where is he the second best player on this team? Yeah. We had that conversation. Yeah. Um, I just, I think with the overall way they want to play, the space and pace, all that blah stuff, everything that rhymes that we want to say, mm-hmm. um, he just doesn't really fit into it. And I do think he has a lot of value, though. Like, not a lot, but he's a second-round pick-worthy trade. I think it's interesting that because uh, I hadn't really thought about this, but I guess it's true is that like Joe Harris is basically taking his minutes, um, and I think that so Joe Harris is currently just like making his shots, so it's hard to it's, it's hard not to like that about what he's doing. Um, yes. When when and if that stops happening, um, then yeah, let's give let's give Sean some more of those minutes. That being said, Joe Harris seems to have like trimmed a lot of the fat from his game. Uh, he's he's trying to do less things, and he's gotten better at the things that he wants to actually be doing which is basically just shoot corner threes and And that's all he needs to do or if not just do one everyone jumps out of the out of the building to try to swat a joe harris uh three so (laughs) so he uh so he'll get he's he's got a very reliable pump fake and then one dribble 
baseline jumper. So that's it. That's his whole offensive game. And, you know, he's serviceable enough elsewhere. He doesn't make mistakes. Sean Kilpatrick is going to want to do a lot more whenever he is in a game. He's just like, he's a more creative scorer. He's a more uh, pugnacious player in general. Like, it's just a lot. It's just a different it's one of the it's combination. A, it's a different chemistry. It's a classic sort of like if they played one on one, Sean Kilpatrick would kill Joe Harris. Crush. It would not be yeah. But you would rather have Joe Harris out there. I'm not like it's not 75-25. It's pretty close in terms of the distribution. You'd rather have Joe Harris out there because he can hit threes and he fits better into the overall team concept. It's it's the reason why like Robert Ori worked on those Lakers versus Carl Malone. You know that kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice pull. That's a nice pull for that, that guy. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Um, yeah, so like it will be interesting because I think Kilpatrick makes less than a million dollars a year. Something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, and the Nets do – so there's something about the Jeremy Lin trade. There's the injury player exemption that they could apply for. And the I think what it would give them something like $6.5 million this year to freely spend on a player who does not account against their cap. Uh, but they would need an open roster spot, and they don't have one right now. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is the only contract on the books that is partially guaranteed. I don't think they're going to cut Spencer Dinwiddie just to pick up someone else because Dinwiddie's the backup point guard, right, at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, so it would make sense that they would want to trade Kilpatrick, actually, even if it's a highly protected second-round pick. Just to open up that slot, because if Kilpatrick's not starting for you, not starting. If he's not even playing for you, then, you know, he doesn't have that much value for the Nets. And he could have a value for a team, like, I'm a Wizards fan. I don't know if people knew that. I'm a Wizards fan. The Wizards would, like, play Kilpatrick 20 minutes a game. It's a, The Wizards are a better mm-hmm. team than the Nets, but they would play Sean Kilpatrick 20 minutes a game because they need mm-hmm. someone like him. Yeah, The Nets don't have a use for that sort of player, really, unless if D'Angelo gets hurt. Which, God forbid. Did you know that I drafted John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter on my fantasy wow. team? And uh, so I'll be watching a fair amount of Wizards game with a vested interest, Mike. Going pretty well for you then. because Really well. Dude, Otto's crushing I it. Know. I know. He could have been a net. I know. And that's a conversation maybe we need to have down the road. So last but lo- not least, definitely lo- uh, not least, it's your boy Lou Estevez. Men of Lou. Hey, it's Lou Estevez. And I just first off wanted to say... Thanks so much for, for killing it every time with your pod. Wow. You guys uh, put together an amazing podcast. I love it. Thank you for all your efforts. Uh, appreciate it very much. So now on to the question. Uh, it has to do with the Nets big man situation. Obviously, the plan is to let Jared Allen develop into our center of the future to fit the system perfectly and all that thing. Uh, and then have uh, Mozgov as our our temporary center until that happens. Uh but with, you know, seeing folks like Herman Gomez just go nuts on the Nets recently. And I know it's just a preseason, but I'm a little worried that opposing centers are basically going to have their way with us, especially if they're of a physical variety. Uh, so that, and most teams have that type of player. So now I'm wondering, what do you think the team will do? And what do you think the team should do as far as who to play more of? Do you go for the wins and play... Mozgov more and then try to have a respectable winning season maybe even ninth seed you know looking like a playoff bound contender but that lets Jared Allen not develop as quickly or do you just call another season Mulligan and you know just uh, suffer again uh, with 
higher than the previous season win total, but not as high as some people are hoping for. But really let Jared Allen develop. Uh, and it's okay, you know, take the losses, but know that we'll be better next year. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I would love to hear what you think. Uh, thanks, and keep on killing it, guys. You keep on killing it, Lou. Um, yes. So here's my so to in in Lou's defense that was probably I let that linger in the in the mailbox maybe a bit too long. Apologies, Lou. But still, it's consistent. Vucevic just laid up a, a massive. I don't know. Whatever. He, he did he, well. He had a great game. <laughs> um, but. I think that everyone is like our defense just kind of sucks in general, and so like everyone's scoring on us. So and I I don't want to rag on D'Angelo, but like yeah, he really is bad defensively. That being said, like I, like Jared Allen like gobbled up Dennis Schroeder a couple times. Like he was like you know the rim protector against small speedy guards that we need. So like if if the question is like um, are we so at this like we're going to sacrifice him not being able to guard Vucevic, but being able to rotate on guys like. Dennis Schroeder, you take it because like it's better than not doing either of those things, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but like so. I, I almost even think that like you can accomplish both of the goals that were laid out in that voice message by Lou Estevez. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you you don't want to throw Jared Allen right into the fire. He's not ready for that. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to put Mozgov out there, give Mozgov 18 minutes a game, Jared Allen 18 minutes a game, and then you have a weird mix of the Trevor Booker center amalgamation, maybe a little bit different minutes wise. Like Jared Allen should not get 30 minutes a game and get beat the crap out of him. Cause that's going to destroy him. He doesn't seem to be the type of person who can just handle that fire. He needs to just like kind of be lightly placed into games, allowed to block shots against guards driving to the hoop and figure his way out against some big men, but not be faced constantly with having to get the ball pounded at him. Yeah. Um, he's such a necessary piece of this puzzle, though. Like, doesn't I'm, he look taller on the court? Like, he's six giant o- haircut. I, he's like 6'11", right? I, he's, yeah. And he doesn't look like Brooke. Like, Brooke is one of the largest human beings yeah. in basketball. Boy. But it, it's the hands, it's the hair, it's the arm length. I think that's also part of why, like, so I'm just thinking of that one shot that Dennis Schroeder, like, took that got flung right back at him. And it was, like, a really bad idea for him to shoot that. And I think it's because you you look at him yeah. and you're like, that's not, he's not that big. He's probably not that fast. And he just, he has great timing. He's got really quick reflexes and he just sneaks up on you. Well, what's what's great about him is that he almost guards sometimes. He does, he's not like some of these big men or who are centers will just stand straight up the Roy Hibbert type, and they just stand straight up and are kind of, they look like statues out there, yeah. barely moving around. Right, right. He gets like in a crouch sometimes. Yeah, he does. So he's, it's he all, he's, he's waiting out. for that shot to go up, too. Like the, the, that's the, like the Brooke Lopez basically he used to just like have his arms up, like I'm, not, I'm trying not to foul this person. Yes. And Jared Allen's more like of a stalking type of like, 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 like yeah. a, a praying, yeah. Praying mantis? Sure, sure. I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Spider, spider's web, some kind of, yeah, some kind of we got to figure out a good name. Yeah, what kind of animal arachnid? is Jared? Maybe we'll do a killer comparison: animals, mm. spirit animals, and players. <laughs> yeah. Lock we, it in. There's no way we haven't done that before, but we're let's. It's probably time to. We'll do it again. probably do it. By the way, did you see uh, De'Aaron Fox? De'Aaron Fox is wearing Dragon Ball Z shoes, <laughs> and they're apparently, but he's Team Vegeta. Okay. But apparently he did um, he did a Kamehameha. He said Kamehameha mm. on the court as he was shooting. Oh, my God. 
Which is I love that. Which is awesome. <laughs> which we need. We need more people having catchphrases. I wish I played more basketball so that I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever. Yeah, that would never be my move. All right. Um, is that it? That's it, dude. That's and thanks. So uh, a couple people had multiples, and sorry we couldn't. You know, it's a time thing, but we'll we'll get to you guys eventually. Um, what do you think about? There's also people that emailed. Sorry we couldn't get to you. But here's a new thing. Hierarchy wise, voicemail. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna get um, upvoted in in my uh, inbox. Yeah. You know? I, think I will. That's the right way you to know, do it. I will say if you're gonna do voicemail, the quality that quality is what you're aiming for. Yeah. But I think it's just iPhone. I mean, your iPhone's gonna be good enough. Sure. You know, keep it somewhat contained uh, in terms of length. But those are perfect, and that was a good way to start it off. And thank you everyone who did that because they actually legitimately, you know, we grew up both. You know, Francesa. Mm. Uh, the type of people that call into that show sometimes aren't the smartest people in the jo- world. Joey Bag of Donuts on the, on the line here. That was top level intelligent basketball takes. That's what we want to hear. Why, we this love is it. why independent radio podcasts exists, man. Because we're tired of Joey Bag of Donuts hogging the line. But if Joey Bag of Donuts wants to call in, yeah, please hit us up. Netspot at gmail.com, everybody. Um, take us you, out, Mike. Thank you for listening. Netsdaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio. Uh, download us every time you see us. Download and delete if you want. You know, does that is that can work? Does it work that way? Download and delete. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, take a listen. If yeah, take a quick it. listen. <laughs> yeah. Take a quick hour long listen. All right. Thanks everyone for listening and thanks for the emails. Bye. Okay. Bye bye.